Nicholas Bornois of Capitaling, and I'm delighted to welcome you to this one-on-one -on -one discussion on Softcom Float. During these uh, three days of our forum, every day we have a one-on-one -on -one discussion on a major uh, industry participant on a leading shipping company. And I am delighted that today we are going to have uh, uh, a deep down focus on Softcom Float. Softcom Float, as you all know, is one of the leading energy companies in the world. It is specializing in energy transportation across the whole uh, chain, uh, crude oil, petroleum products, liquefied gas, as well as the servicing of, of offshore oil and gas production. So it is really very fitting to have an, uh, a discussion focusing across the whole operations. They have a number of initiatives. And Ted Jarek, the president, uh, Managing Director and CEO of DNB Markets, our partner uh, of today's event and the conference chairman is going to discuss with Nikolai Kolesnikov, the Executive Vice President and CFO of Softcom Float. So thank you to both and I hand the, uh, the podium, so to speak, to you. Terrific, thank you. Thank you, thank you Nicholas. And uh, Nikolai, I'd like to welcome you uh, as well to, to the forum. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to see you again. and. Uh, and I uh, really appreciate your uh, taking some time to, to speak with us. Um, I think let's start with, uh, with a headline from, from the kickoff panel of yesterday's uh, session of the conference uh, where, where people were asked if, uh, if, if it's all glitter and gold, um, which, I, which I think is, is an interesting question within the, the shipping context, but would be really happy to also get your, your take on uh, on, on that question and, and, and how you see things right now from, from, from your company's perspective. Yeah, thank you, Ted. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you, uh, Nicholas, for the invitation to participate in this flagship event of Capital Link. Um, is it glitter and gold? Uh, well, you know that we at Softconflot uh, like to differentiate ourselves from the others I'd say that we're definitely heavy metal, but maybe more with a steely shine than a golden glitter. <laughs> and for, for good reasons, I think, uh, we need to be built of high tensile steel to crush the Arctic ice and operate in the extreme environments, in the geographies where we do trade. And we, we need to be armor plated to withstand the hurricane force uh, headwinds in the markets and the geopolitics. So probably less glitter, but uh, still nonetheless. <laughs> well answered, well answered. You know, from my, from my vantage point, um, and I've known, I've known you for quite a while, and I've, and I've known the company for quite a while, you know, Soap to me is definitely a company in transition, uh, transition in, in terms of its business platform. Uh, in terms of its its financial position, um, you you you've, you've moved heavily from from your traditional conventional shipping uh, base uh, in, into what you describe as industrial shipping, uh, and, and, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. And at the same time, you move from a from a 100% private owned uh, you know entity to 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 uh, to a public uh, listing, successful public listing, a um, little over a year ago, or, or just about a year ago. Um, I'd just like you to talk in a little bit more detail about those developments and, and how you see how you see the company's progress going going forward. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ted. Uh, well, we, we indeed, we do pursue an uh, industrial shipping model uh, as we have defined it for ourselves. And what that means is that uh, we want to position ourselves uh, as, as a service provider to the broader uh, energy space uh, as, as, a, as a competent marine operator capable of undertaking uh, sophisticated marine services and thereby proving our relevance to our energy customers. Uh, over time, uh, we've diversified the scope of the services uh, that we perform. And I think going forward, I think we want to have a diversified product offering. And of course, uh, that will continue evolving and changing in line with the evolution of the needs of our core customers. But uh, fundamentally, I think we want to make the business less exposed to the market cyclicality. And therefore, we are uh, deep believers in our model, which presumes that we uh, contract long term with the end users of our services. And we try to compete in niches uh, in specialist services where we can provide a higher value added uh, input to our customers and therefore uh, justify better marginality for, for, for the business. Uh, we have transformed from a traditional tanker company, which we were when, well, I started here almost 17 years ago. Uh, in the meantime, I think we've in this, uh, in the, over the course of this uh, time, we've more or less quadrupled the size of the business, but more importantly, we've qualitatively changed it with over 50% of our asset base and over 50% of our revenue base coming from uh, industrial businesses that are totally immune uh, from the volatility of the spot tanker markets. Mm -hmm. And these are specialist services in supporting offshore upstream uh, projects or transportation of liquefied gas, specifically LNG, where again, all our investments are backed by long-term employment contracts. That does not mean that we've withdrawn from the tanker trade. Again, uh, I think we still operate a sizable tanker fleet, both on the crude and the product side. Uh, over the years, we've optimized its positioning and the structure of the fleet to best meet our clients' needs. And for as long as uh, R Russia, one of our core markets remains a major producer and exporter of hydrocarbons, uh, I think, again, uh, we believe that we will have uh, business to do. And of course, we will see ourselves as the, uh, as the seaborne extension of the online pipeline network uh, to bring uh, the, the, <clears throat> uh, the, the products to the, to, to the markets around the globe. Thank you. Um, I, I note from your uh, from your uh, investor presentation materials that, you, and you just mentioned, fifty percent of the business today is really within the industrial what you describe as the industrial the industrial shipping sectors um, that you cover. Um, but, but the target, uh, I believe, by twenty twenty five is to is to make that seventy percent, so that the mix would really be seventy percent industrial and thirty percent conventional. Um, is that is that a is that a situation you see continuing to grow in favor of the industrial business, or is that more of a of a balance that you think is is appropriate given given the the business potential that you see? 
Yeah, I, I think uh, again, uh, we, we, first of all, we're well on track to achieve this target. I mean, that has been set by our board. And I think we are more or less achieving it already with the contracted CapEx that we have as of today. Uh, uh, the reason why the industrial side is growing disproportionately is that one, as you correctly say, there, there is good business potential and we have a healthy pipeline of new projects and new business. But secondly, because it's uh, a much easier uh, investment proposition uh, for us to act on, I think uh, all our investments are backed by uh, longer term employment contracts. Uh, and therefore, we are not uh, investing uh, on uh, market expectations. Mm -hmm. I think as, as many others, uh, we, we tried before to second guess the direction of the, of the markets and we hardly get it uh, right, uh, more than we get it wrong. And so rather than speculating with our shareholders' money, we thought that we'd rather compete uh, with the scope and quality of our services uh, and invest on winning contractual business uh, and deploy capital for uh, the, the, the use uh, by our clients uh, to complement the, <clears throat> the, the expertise that we're providing to, to operate uh, this, this equipment. So I think that, that, that that's the model. And to answer the second part of your earlier question, uh, we are still in a very capital intensive business. Uh, we need uh, continuous access to capital. And uh, until last year, we were constrained uh, with 100% ownership by the Russian Federation. Uh, to uh, only support our growth with uh, debt capital or uh, whatever proceeds we had left uh, <clears throat> after payment of dividends. Now we have access to equity capital. So uh, we, ha we have this uh, instrument and obviously we, uh, we see the benefit of uh, <clears throat> expanding its use going forward. ICE class vessels and operating expertise and, and experience um, are, are, are big differentiators in, in, in your industrial business. Um, and I'm wondering if you see potential for, for growth in that business outside of your, of your home market. Well, I, I, <laughs> we have a global footprint and Obviously, by, by, by the nature of our industry, shipping is, 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 is exterritorial, is very international, very global. Mm. Uh, I think if you look at, at our major customers, these are all international, national uh, energy companies, uh, and we want to have a diversified mix of customers going forward. Uh, so I think we will pursue uh, growth uh, in the geographies where uh, our customers are pursuing their growth. Mm -hmm. uh, as I already mentioned, I mean, uh, our, our home base, uh, Russia, will continue to be a major producer and exporter of hydrocarbons. And we see good growth potential here. To date, we are present in servicing each and every upstream project along the Russian coast. I mean, in the subarctic and the Arctic areas. And, and, and so, yes, uh, obviously, yes, this is... Uh, uh, one of our core competences, uh, obviously, navigating uh, up higher in the in the in the in the Arctic is, uh, well, in some instances, we're almost uniquely qualified to do so. And I think we can uh, well apply these skills and the qualifications of our seafarers to uh, to meet the, the the needs and requirements of our customers. Uh, 
And I think we also have to bear in mind that when we're talking about geographies, uh, we, we're thinking in, 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 in terms of projects. And as we well know, all the big projects uh, around the world, they're, the upstream projects, are, they're being developed by, by big international consortia where our clients uh, pull together their resources and their, 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 their competences and, 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 and create uh, uh, <clears throat> joint ventures um, to, to, to develop these projects. So in Russia, outside of Russia, uh, our skill sets are relevant to the same core customers. Sakhalin 1 is operated uh, by ExxonMobil. Sakhalin 2 was developed by Royal Dutch Shell. Up, up in the Russian Arctic, you have Novatech of Russia partnering with uh, French Tatal, with Chinese companies, CNPC, CNOC, Japanese, Mitsui, Mitsubishi. Mm. So uh, I, I think we do not differentiate them on a nationality basis, but rather we want to make sure that uh, we are there to support them uh, wherever they see their growth area going forward for mm. now obviously uh, the russian arctic is definitely a gross area on mm. the on the natural gas on the lng side yeah yeah i mean looking at the projections of of the of the growth in in, in russian lng liquefaction capacity uh, you know between now and, and and the end of this decade it's quite it's quite a stunning development um i i, I believe the numbers uh, were something like uh, 37 million tons today and, and going up to 135, uh, you know, by the, by the end of the decade, 27 in 2020 up to 139 by the end of the decade. I mean, that's a, that's a dramatic growth. Is that, is that primarily uh, for, for export markets then uh, that, that, that additional uh, capacity, Nikola? Uh, well, even if, uh, if half of that projected growth materializes, that's great news for us because uh, mm -hmm. it so happens that yes, Russia one is sitting on 20% of the world's uh, gas reserves. And uh, there's good potential to to to, to monetize that uh, reserve base. Uh, I think obviously all the mega projects that are being under development uh, currently are up in, in up north. I think uh, you remember the previous phase when you had all the big projects uh, <clears throat> uh, in 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 northwest Australia. I think now I think the the the, the growth has moved up. Uh, north to the Russian Arctic, where we had uh, Yamal LNG project uh, um, started uh, uh, a few years back, and the next uh, even bigger uh, LNG project, uh, so-called Arctic LNG two project, with an uh, uh, annual production of around 20 million tons of LNG per annum, uh, uh, <coughs> targeted to to go into production in 2023. So these are uh, multi-billion mega projects, and uh, and yes, we're well positioned uh, to provide services to these projects. And we definitely see this as, as, as a potential growth area for, for us. And the good thing about these projects is that they happen to be located uh, far away from the markets. And there's no other way to, to bring the product to the markets other than by sea. So there's a very natural role for us as, as a ship operator uh, to, to play in, in servicing the flows of these cargos. And, mm -hmm. and they will be huge. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Sofcomflot had a capital markets day recently, I think just last week. Uh, I don't know if that was your first one since you've become public, but um, I wonder if you could just cover kind of some of the key takeaways there in terms of the company's financial strategy. 
how you look at the balance sheet um, and, and, and what have you. Yes, uh, th thank you, Ted. It was a, indeed our first Capital Markets Day. I mean, we, we held it on the first anniversary of our IPO. Uh, the company uh, listed on the Moscow Exchange exactly one year ago uh, and listed the shares on the Moscow Exchange. Uh, uh, and uh, we thought that it was timely to give uh, our new investors an opportunity to meet the broader management team. Uh, rather than just talking to the CFO uh, and occasionally the CEO and to give them a more comprehensive overview of the business, uh, our strategy, our uh, operational uh, platform, our commercial initiatives, and, our, and yes, indeed, our financial policy. I think uh, we are on track, as I mentioned, in uh, pursuing our uh, strategic growth. Uh, I think the target is to bring up the industrial part of the business to account for 70% of the revenue base uh, by 2025, uh, to maintain a good marginality uh, of, the, of the overall business with uh, EBDA margins uh, at or above uh, 60%. Uh, earlier this year, we regained our investment grade credit ratings from all three international rating agencies. So we're triple B minus rated by all three. Uh, which is good news. And on the back of that, we uh, did a partial refinancing of our uh, outstanding Eurobond with 23, 23 maturities, I mean, uh, and pushed out the maturities to 2028. Hmm. We're able to lower the coupon. And so uh, just demonstrating uh, uninterrupted access to, to, to unsecured debt from the debt capital markets. So hmm. yes, as, as part of that, obviously we, we need to commit to uh, maintaining some uh, credit metrics at an appropriate level. So I think we'll, our current net debt to EBDA stands at three and a half times. I think that's probably the the, the level where we want to keep it. Uh, but um, uh, otherwise, I think it's we 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 are fine. Uh, I think the the cushion of industrial business uh, allows us now to comfortably sustain uh, whatever situation we were faced with on the tanker side of the business. Uh, we have a backlog of future contracted revenues of, of 25 billion US dollars. I mean, so I don't think you'll find another uh, marine service or oil service company with a backlog of this size. Mm -hmm. And what's even better is that uh, year on year, uh, for the forthcoming years, we already have around a billion dollar of contracted uh, revenues. So this again is 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 sufficient for us to to to, to meet our operating uh, needs. And, uh, service our debt, and on top of that, to to have free cash available for dividend distributions and 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 expansion capex. Uh, so I think we still plan to grow. I think we have uh, uh, capacity to 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 invest about half a billion dollars in in gross capex uh, year on year. And uh, so the the, the 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 task is to continue to uh, source and identify attractive projects to to invest in. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, also maybe worth mentioning that on the back of this uh, Capital Markets Day, we had two of the analysts uh, lifting the target price on our shares. So I think the market has reacted very positively to, to, to the overview we provided. Talk a little bit about the efforts the company is making uh, on the decarbonization side, Nikolai, if you would, please. Yeah, well, look, uh, you know that uh, 
Sofcom Float is a well-established brand. Uh, we spell out SCF as safety comes first, which is a registered brand driver. And so uh, we don't, don't hide our name and identity. We have it spelled in capital letters on the superstructures of each and every of our vessels. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we have been and continue to be fully compliant with all the rules and regulations. And uh, to begin with, as we all know, we are operating in a heavily regulated industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that we don't need to do any lip service and window dressing, I mean, to the decarbonization uh, topic or the ESG uh, topic, which is quite uh, <coughs> fashionable these days. Uh, because, yes, we are in the business of dealing with hazardous cargoes. So safety, obviously, is something that is uh, well embedded in the DNA of the company. It's in the company culture. I mean, it's not something that you can nurture overnight. I mean, you, you, you yeah. have to, 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 to grow it. And, and likewise, I mean, we obviously want uh, to leave the planet in a, in a better state uh, after, after we're gone. So, yes, uh, I mean, again, uh, we will be compliant with uh, all the regulations on the decarbonization uh, side. You remember that we were among the first to introduce LNG as a primary marine fuel for the uh, uh, larger size tankers. And we had our pilot project and pioneering projects, which we pursued uh, in partnership with Royal Dutch Shell to to, to build a series of uh, ice class LNG powered Aframax tankers, which were first of the kind. So I think what we try to do is we try to be at least a half a step or one step ahead of competition, uh, ahead of the industry. And I think, uh, uh, do what we believe is right and 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 good. And uh, LNG is obviously is a much cleaner uh, fossil fuel. I think it's now well accepted as a transitionally fossil fuel. Before, I think the engine manufacturers, the shipbuilders, come up with technology to to switch to non-fossil fuel. Uh, and until such time, I think uh, we, we, all our new buildings. I mean, I think with the exception of two. Uh, shuttle tankers, they will be running on LNG. I mean, I think today 17% of our fleet operates on LNG. So I think it, it is as clean as you get uh, into in, 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 in today's realities. I mean, so LNG fuel reduces carbon emissions by about 30% compared to other compliant fuels. I mean, it eliminates uh, sulfur emissions. Uh, so I, I, I think I, I think we, we don't need to... Uh, to pretend that we're doing something on the decarbonization front because we're actually uh, doing something daily. And, and then we're obviously monitoring the development of the regulations and preparing ourselves for the regulatory framework that will be uh, in place and kickstart from 2023 and, and onwards. Yeah. Yeah. We've got... Looks like two minutes left, Nikolai. So maybe maybe one more question, and um, I guess I'll go back to the the conventional crew tanker shipping. Um, and I think what what I heard and what you projected is this you know continues to be strategic for the company. It will remain a you know it will remain a significant meaningful part of the business. Um, you, you have a, a a very strong strategic position um, within the market. Um, the tanker market's been suffering. Um, what are your thoughts about about a recovery there, and, and and how do you see how do you see that? Well, I think as as I'm sure my colleagues will have already commented, uh, the supply side is 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 is, is very manageable. 
uh, the order book is currently across all uh, tanker vessel types is at historic lows. I mean, and we do not anticipate any new orders because I mean, all the uh, slots have been taken up by uh, container ships or, or bulkers. Uh, uh, and for the foreseeable two or more years, I don't think we we will see uh, additions to the tank, the global tanker fleet. And in the meantime, we'll see a natural attrition of the aging vessels. Hmm. Uh, I think what we're waiting for is we're waiting for the post-pandemic recovery on the demand side, uh, because hmm. we, we are very much dependent and uh, on the on the health of the global economy and on on the uh, consumption of energy. I think uh, at, at the moment we have not yet seen uh, the demand uh, for seaboard transportation of hydrocarbons to to have to recover to pre-pandemic levels. I think we're still waiting for that to happen. Uh, and of course, uh, that means that uh, uh, air travel needs to uh, to to resume. I mean, borders need to reopen. I mean, people need to go back to the offices and start driving and using their cars. Uh, so I think this will be gradually happening. And I think, yes, there were expectations that we'll see that happening in 2021. I think now I think uh, we're realistic that this is a 2022 target. Uh, but the fundamentals are still very much favorable. And um, and as I say, we, we are different. So we're not overly dependent. We're not overly exposed to the tanker cycle. Uh, on the opposite, I think uh, we see it as a as a as an upside option to our investors, yeah. on on top of the industrial revenues that we already have in the pocket. Great, I think we've uh, we, we've reached the uh, the end of our time, Nikolai. I um, I really uh, I want to thank you uh, very much. Appreciate you sharing your your comments with us today. Um, Softcom flawed, in, in in my opinion, has an extremely unique. Position in the market and and obviously a very robust uh, financial position. I think uh, I think the company uh, has a very promising uh, promising future ahead. Uh, wish you wish you all the best of luck and uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ted. Thank you for your questions and the pleasure to be at this conference. Thank you, everybody. Well, thank you from my side. I will only echo what uh, Ted said. Thank you very much, Nikolai, for uh, you know sharing your insight uh, on uh, your unique uh, company. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you.